I'm Amanda Wagner. And I'm Liz Pittman. And this is the Amanda Wagner Podcast. This podcast is the place for born leaders who are hungry to do something big, something that matters, and who are tired of waiting for an invitation to change the world. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and we share our experiences as women with impatient ambition. The world has enough fluff. This is your invitation to bring your worth to the world and do something that matters. In this episode, we talk about readiness and tackling big projects and ideas. We encourage you to stop kicking the tires and take another course, read another book, or get another certificate from the school of who cares before doing something you wanna do. And we talk about why nobody is really watching you and why this is such good news. And in WWAWD, we answer Sophia's question about burnout. Have you ever written a list with a ton of things on it and you tell yourself that once you check every box or do every task, then you'll be ready? You kind of have this running list of once I do this and this and this, once these boxes are checked, then I'll finally do the thing that I set out to do. That if you just did this one last e-course or finished these five books or got this degree or this certification, then you would be ready. If you're anything like me, feeling like you need to have all your ducks in a row before you start, you'd probably agree that start before you're ready sounds really nice, but feels really terrifying. At least twice a year, I stop and think, I really should have an MBA. Maybe I would be taken more seriously if I had a PhD. If I want to make a name for myself as a speaker, I need to follow in the footsteps of Mel Robbins and Brene Brown. I need to do exactly what they did. And I need to be a specialist and read everything there is to know about ambition, bravery, and finding fame for something that matters to somehow be validated and legitimate in what I'm doing. Last week, I came up with this amazing idea that I think would make a fantastic PhD dissertation. Good news and bad news, I told Robin about it, and he agreed that this would be a fascinating topic, which sounds like great news, but it made me go, oh shit, there's something here. Should I be pivoting? Should I be changing what I'm doing? And the worst part for me was, do I have to do all this research and get a PhD before I'm allowed to even talk about it on the podcast, write about it on Medium or in my blog or a newsletter? It slowed me down. I've run up against some serious insecurity that to stay relevant and keep people engaged, I have to keep coming up with new ideas and something that's shiny and exciting. And then I go back to my own experience. When I meet with Coach Jenny or in my mastermind group, I don't need or expect something new and shiny every week. Instead, it's actually the repetition of ideas that might seem basic, but those are the ideas that need practice, and I actually want some depth in them. For some reason, I'm really good at acknowledging it in other people, but it doesn't feel good enough for me. If I'm going to be the leader, I feel like I always need something new and shiny and sexy for people to discover or learn from or to share. And it really makes me spiral into that anxiety of every single idea, every Instagram post or newsletter has to be 100% original and to discuss ideas that have never been seen before or heard by the audience. To be extra meta about this, I wanna talk specifically about the podcast. 
I met with my mastermind group for a virtual co-working session and asked some of them for help with brainstorming future episodes. And I expected them to come up with all these amazing prompts or like, we should, you should talk about this. I want to hear you talk about this piece. And instead, what they actually did was encourage me to go back to all the episodes that I've listed before, go through all my titles and the big topics and pull out some trends. If I want to be known for doing something big and something that matters, I have to say a lot about a little bit instead of a little about a lot. So I'm slowly learning that repetition isn't a bad thing, that big ideas that might seem simple aren't one and done. It takes repetition for people to not only understand an idea, but to practice it, to integrate it into their lives. And the biggest thing that I keep coming back to, and Coach Jenny tells me this all the time, you aren't here to be an entertainer. I'm not here to entertain you. It's a bonus if you laugh at a joke that I make. But really, what I want is to inform you about a way that I've been thinking and working. And when I went through the last 15 episodes of the podcast, I was able to pull out three trends. So the three areas that we've been working in are about working well with others. We talk about collaboration. We talk about community. The second big trend is working well with yourself. When we talk about prioritization, self-preservation. And then the third area is about my way of life my personality, and the way that I cope with and really bring to the forefront my perfection, my anxiety, and my overall ambition. So it slowed me down in a really great way. It made me go, instead of dazzling you with new sexy topics every week and eventually running out of things to say and having to look around and go, I guess I'll tell you my favorite dishwasher or my favorite laundry soap, Instead, I want to dig in deep with these three ideas over and over again from different angles. My friend Christy runs a company called The Creative Badass, and she speaks about how the F word for her is finishing. She says that we get so tied up in finishing that you don't start anything and you forget all that you're building along the way. And I know I've felt this pressure. Liz, I'm sure you have too. And I'm at a point where I can confidently say with each of my strategy clients, I've asked, what are you waiting for? When are you going to be ready to start this thing? And then I leave the call saying, all right, Amanda, if that's good enough advice for them, it has to be good enough for you. The point of this conversation is that I think we get so caught up in the idea that it's a bad thing to put the cart before the horse. And I don't think it's as bad as we think. I also think that we overestimate how much we need to be prepared for something new or to teach others. One of my favorite things about working with my strategy clients is that they bring up how insecure they feel about their credentials or about the school they went to or didn't go to, or if they're legitimate in their profession or not. My favorite thing is to ask them, so did you ask for proof of my post-secondary education before you hired me? Do you know what certificates or degrees I have on the wall? Do you care? And that third thing that really gives me comfort is that nobody is watching as closely as we think. 
this is another point for the side that we have to keep repeating our big ideas. In my other business, The Compliment, I talk about customer experience and creating consistent and consistently excellent customer experiences. And oftentimes my clients have aha moments. And I say, I promise I'm not a genius. I just have a brilliant grasp of the obvious. But I have to keep in mind, things are obvious to me because I think about them over and over again. And because I've spent the last 15 years in customer experience in some way from working part-time in retail to teaching and now consulting and strategy sessions, of course it's obvious to me. That's where I've been spending my time and energy. I always think about this with designers. So I work with a few graphic designers and sometimes the language that they use or the way that they will talk about their design process, I often say, wait, slow down, tell me more about that. Because it's such a good example of how technically and creatively skilled they are that it becomes an assumption that everybody knows that. And often I get to be the voice that says, but hang on a second, we actually don't know. It's obvious to you because you spend all your time and energy thinking about it, but it isn't obvious to me because I haven't given it a second thought. It's worthwhile remembering that your expertise isn't my expertise and mine isn't yours. LP, what is an industry that you are an expert in and what's one area that you know nothing about but look for other people to be experts in? So I am an expert in social media. That's what I know. I know it like the back of my hand and it's something that I'm fairly confident in. And you talking about having the brilliant grasp of the obvious is something that really resonates with me and something that I need to keep in mind when I train other people how to use social media is I need to slow it down. Like you say, when you speak with graphic designers is that I spend every waking minute thinking about Twitter or the latest TikTok trend or what's an Instagram reel. All of these things are taking up my brain space constantly. This is the space that I live in. On the flip side though, an area that I know less about and need to turn to experts for is anything beauty related. Oh, this is fascinating. Please let me be your expert. And I, and I have turned to you for advice here and there. I just, it's just not my thing. I, I don't really wear a lot of makeup. When I worked in TV, we had to cake the makeup on and there wasn't really a lot of rocket science there. It was just like pile it all on and it'll probably look okay. <laughs> if it takes a putty knife to get it off, that's the right oh. amount of makeup for TV. The face washing process after doing the morning show was disgusting. Like you need several, you know, about double cleansing. It was like triple or quadruple. Quadruple cleansing with all the oils and the, oh, fantastic. Yeah, super gross. But anyway, if there was some danger and I could escape danger by doing like the perfect cat eye, I would be screwed. Like I just, I can't do this stuff. I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't really care so much about my hair. This is not my forte. I, I think I'm interested in it, but I've never given it any time or space to learn more. So I turn to YouTube or Pinterest. I look up step-by-step tutorials if I ever need 
some inspiration or am desperate for some help. Those are kind of the things I need to turn to. That's such a good example because I know the feeling of walking into a local beauty store or a Sephora or a Mac and then being like, oh, just do a smoky eye. And I'm like, okay, let's go back 37 steps. What is a smoky (laughs) eye? Tell me more. And do I have to spend $600 to get this look? Yeah, exactly. I'm a wake up it like, so in the normal times, if I was getting up and going somewhere, I can get up and be, get ready with makeup and hair and eat breakfast and be out the door in 20 minutes. Like I just don't spend a lot of time on the getting ready part of things. So yeah, if I walk into Sephora and they're talking about all of these foreign ideas to me, it can be really overwhelming, really overwhelming. I, I do want to note that even though social media is an industry that I consider myself an expert in. It's also a weird industry. So I wanted to put this in the second part of the question as well, because it evolves so quickly. I also have to turn to my fellow experts in this same industry. So it's something I know a lot about, but there's always so much going on that I have really tapped into a pretty strong community online of fellow experts. So we can turn to each other and kind of suss these ideas out and determine how we all feel about a new function in a platform, that sort of thing. So while I am an expert, I, I do keep in mind that I probably don't know everything and it's good for me to learn from others that are in the same field. Expert doesn't mean you know everything, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. In an environment or an industry that is changing. I do think I'm an expert of customer experience and sales, but do I know every single technique under the sun? Absolutely not. Am I still learning every day about customer behavior and how to best sell in a, in a thoughtful way that doesn't feel sleazy all the time? But the basics I've got down pat. And so it's almost like I have this foundation. So learning a new social media technique or learning something new about sales and experience on my side, I pick it up quicker because I already have that base. And so I I love the makeup example. And I think that, that this idea of expertise is one that could use some, some more depth and exploration. The big idea here is that when people are taking on big projects, goals, or they have something they really want to accomplish, it's absolutely going to require preparation and planning so that you aren't just rambling on or wasting someone's time or forgetting why you're doing something and what you're doing. It absolutely requires preparation, but does everything require PhD level preparation? Absolutely not. You do not need to know everything before you start. And as much as it is a challenge for me to believe this as an anxious perfectionist, done is better than perfect. That phrase is one I have to repeat to myself because sometimes things just need to get done. And that's why there's such thing as pilot programs or a proof of concept. If you're selling a new service, many people do a pilot run or a founders group or the launch of something new. And it's either reducing the price, reducing the expectations and sharing with people. I'm learning as I go. That's how we become experts. It's more of our willingness to learn and really soak up information that's valuable and learning how to share it. than it is becoming an expert all by yourself in the corner 
but not knowing how to translate that to anybody. I realize that if I am going to wait until I'm ready, I'm going to be waiting a really long time. All my ducks are not in a row. I run a business. I run two businesses and don't have an MBA. Outing myself for anybody that thinks I need one. Thank you. You are more than welcome to never listen to this again. And I'm a professional speaker and have never been to Toastmasters. And I'll be honest, I have no desire to ever go to Toastmasters. That is a discussion for another time. If you find yourself stuck and you're writing or creating and feeling tapped, I want to offer the feedback that Coach Jenny gave me. And it happens to be both of our favorite questions. One that I used to ask my students when I was teaching English and one that she asks me. She says, when you look at what you've written or what you're saying, ask yourself, so what? So I said, I went to my mastermind group and said, hey, I need some more topics for the podcast, or I need to know, I need some of your best writing prompts so that I can get into this habit of speaking and writing about what I want to say. And before anybody offered any prompts, Coach Jenny said, just stick with the question of so what? For example, yesterday I wrote about how I have a big fear that if I admit how ambitious I am, people aren't going to like me. Or they're going to think, who does she think she is? Or, oh, she thinks she's better than us. So I wrote a couple pages on that. When I sat down to write today, I read what I wrote yesterday, and my prompt for myself was saying, so what? Why does this matter? So everything I wrote yesterday about my fear of admitting my ambition, all I did was carried it through and went into a deeper layer of, so what? Why does it matter so much that this is a big fear of mine? Why does it matter so much what people might say? It's the big idea that let's say a lot about a little instead of a little about a lot. I finally feel like I'm developing real depth and strength in my ideas and solidifying what I believe. Plus, it's going to make it a hell of a lot easier to figure out the themes and big ideas for the books that I want to write. Instead of having a book with a thousand different ideas, I want three to five big ideas that can be explored and poked at from all different angles and become a subject matter expert instead of a dabbler in all sorts of different things. Liz, how do you feel about this prompt of so what and using it as inspiration to keep writing or thinking about an idea? I think it's a wonderful way of clarifying what's really important to you. You know, there's so much always going on in our lives that if we can use those two simple words to really narrow our focus, I think that can that can do a lot for us for refining our goals or whatever it is that we're after. I really like, it's such a simple question, but there's a lot of weight behind it. I think it's a really wonderful tool and one that frankly, I don't think I use enough. So I will use this podcast as a reminder for myself to be able to ask myself that question when I'm having a difficult day and trying to prioritize going back and thinking, so what, mm-hmm. why does this matter? I really, really think that that can help me and our listeners as well determine what it is that we're really after and why that is. And get to the root of something. I know that I want to talk about impatient ambition. I know I want to talk about my experience with it and how that can 
help others or have at least have other people go, oh, thank God it's not just me. But I want to know, so why does this matter? Let me get to the root of what I'm trying to say instead of just touching the surface on a bunch of different ideas. Liz, I'm not sure how comfortable you are with sharing. You get to make this decision, but I know that you are planning a course. And so how does this idea of done is better than perfect or start before you're ready, how does that feel when you think about planning your course? It's an interesting question for me. Uh, The way that this course development is working for me is it's a course that I'm teaching this fall. I'm the kind of person that I would rather work on curriculum right up until I need to deliver it as opposed to what I actually need to do with this project, have it all done by September 1st. Uh, And I don't start delivering it until October. The course runs from October till December, yet I still have to have it done September 1st. So I'm having a really tough time putting all of the pieces together right now Mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of August because one, it's the middle of August and who (laughs) has of motivation right now, especially the middle of August in the middle of a pandemic. We're all kind of um, a little scatterbrained right now, I would like to think. Um, So I just have a a little bit of a tough time with that. Uh, So using the tool of so what, why is this important to me? Why should I buckle down and get the work done? Why is teaching such a passion of mine? Why do I want to teach people about digital storytelling? Is a little bit of fuel for the flame on those days where I'm like, this sucks. I would rather go sit on my balcony than put together the curriculum for a course that I'm not going to teach until the second week of November. If I remind myself, so what? Maybe that's the motivation I need to sit down down and put in a couple hours of work and I'll be happier. Yeah. And I think you've brought up a really good point because I think we're talking about the question of so what in two different ways. So one of it, one way, the way that you're speaking about is this like, so what of kind of motivation? What's keeping me going? Why am I excited? Why am I doing this? Why does it matter? For sure. Yeah. That's, that's where I come at it from. The other so what, I would love to hear how you feel about it in terms of your actual content So when you write your week one materials, why does it matter to your students? What's the depth that you want them to get? What's the number one thing that you want them to take away from your lecture or presentation? And I use this with Robin. He's a professor of geoarchaeology and he will talk about a concept. He's teaching a soils class and I'm the one that will challenge him and go, okay, so what? But why does this matter? Why should somebody give a shit about what you're saying? And if you're stuck, like if he's stuck in his preparation of materials or in planning a field school, I'm the first person that will say, okay, so you've taken these samples. So what, who cares? What's the next step? What's the depth? So, so there's a kind of Simon Sinek start with why piece going, so what, why do I care? But then the next piece is when you're actually developing content, if you get stuck, how can we dig deeper instead of jumping on the urge to find something shiny and new that is is just a little brighter, but is really just spreading out your ideas instead of helping you go deeper. I have always been someone who I preach being intentional, being intentional with the content that you share on social media. But I think that this ties into the, to, into the so what question. Yep. When, you're develop, when I'm developing these course materials, I'm putting together an example or some sort of anecdote, so what? why do my students care about this? What's the importance of this? So really choosing to be intentional with every piece of the curriculum, but 
I mean, we can take this outside of the course that I'm planning. Obviously, this question can be applied to so many different things. And yeah, just that word of intention really comes back to me when we think about so what in this particular context. When I look at the script that that we each have on our screen here, we always come down to like, what's the call to action connected to the conversation? When we're talking about a call to action, that's the so what. So anytime somebody's looking at a landing page or a sales page, that's the number one question that you need to be thinking as you're developing this. So somebody reads this beautiful blog, what do you want them to do with it? Why does it matter? And so I would say here that the so what of our conversation is the pencil is sharp enough to say what needs to be said, the speakers or your voice are loud enough to start talking, and your audience is big enough to share your ideas. Don't let this idea of I have to be qualified in every single way hold you back from starting. The call to action connected to this conversation, or so what, is I want to know what is a project, program, course, or big idea that you have been thinking about launching for a long time but haven't been able to start because you think you're not ready. We want to know so that we can send some words of encouragement your way and remind you in the kindest way possible that nobody cares. Nobody's asking for your credentials or asking how long you've been honing your craft. Instead, people are taking you at your word. They're believing that you want to do your best work and they're excited to see what you have to offer. So let's stop waiting until we are ready and instead get started and get some experience under our belts. There is such a thing as a pilot or a trial run for a reason, whatever you want to call it, Start small and pick off one little piece that you can actually just start with a sliver of what you see as the big picture instead of waiting for the entire big picture to evolve. All right, moving on to what would Amanda Wagner do or WWAWD? Great question today. It comes from, I mean, they're all great. I probably say that in every episode. <laughs> I can't wait question. To get a question and you go, this one's really this one, mediocre, but we included yeah, this, it anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is only okay. Great question today from Sophia, who says, I'm feeling burnt out. I feel like I'm trying to balance work, some kind of virtual social life, my feelings about the pandemic and the state of the world, and everything in between. Do you have tips on how to deal and also the reassurance that I'm not alone? What would Amanda Wagner do? Oh, you, Sophia, you are not alone. I'm so glad you brought up this question because I'm answering it as I'm in a state of burnout. So not only are you not alone in feeling this way, but you're not alone in being here right now. It seems counterintuitive, at least to me. I'm saying, how can I be burnt out when I'm alone? How can I be burnt out when it seems like so many things I used to do, I can't do anymore, or they've been shut down, or I can't go out? How can I still be exhausted? And my first thought, it seems like the talk of the pandemic has been all around us. But in some ways, at least for me, I kind of forget it's a pandemic sometimes because this has started to feel normal. And I've had to really stop and go, hang on a second, we're still in this. Of course we feel overwhelmed. Of course we feel burnt out. So on the reassurance side, 
you're very much not alone. And I think it's worth releasing some of the judgment of wondering why you might be burnt out. Um, You can be burnt out when you are alone. You can be at home seven days a week and still be exhausted. You can not be seeing people in person and still feel like you're running on all cylinders. And for me, one strategy that I use over and over again is writing out a list and I call it the on my mind list. And there is no pressure. This is not a to-do list. This is not a list of tasks, but it is everything that is on my mind at that moment. And I do that for two reasons. Number one, because it gives me some evidence of why I might be feeling this way. It lets me look at all the different ways that my brain is spinning and all the different things that are happening. And the second reason is that it puts it on paper. If everything that's on my mind is on paper, it gives me some relief that it doesn't just exist in my head. And for me, that gives me this big sigh of relief that I don't have to worry about it in my head anymore because it's on paper. I've got it. I've captured it. I can refer to it when I need to. When I feel burnt out, not only do I do the on my mind, but sometimes I take a look at what the last week or two has looked like. So for me, in the stage of burnout I'm at now, I realized that one day last week, I had four strategy calls in one day. That's too much. Of course I was cranky by the end of the day. Of course I was exhausted and less than my best self to Robin because my brain was not only working really hard for those four hours, but it didn't really have recovery time in between those calls. And those were just my Zoom calls. Being in a virtual environment is this added level of stress and pressure. It seems like it should be easier and it should be lower stakes. But once you start getting into, can you hear me now? Is your camera on? Did you talk over me? Or why can't this person join? It's another added layer of stress. So as far as tips on how to deal, I am going to swear by the on my mind list. I'm also going to say, can you find one person who you can openly share this with? Liz and I have something called cries and fries. And it is an appointment that we set up whenever we need it. And it is a, I'm losing my mind. I need some help. Or I'm burnt out and I need to talk it out. And we had one of these two weeks ago where I said, Liz, can I I have an hour with you? I need to cry it out. And for me, having that other person not only gives me the reassurance, it also gives me someone who isn't trying to solve my problem. I'm really specific. I'm like, we're in the feeling stage of this, not the fixing stage. This is also a question that my partner has learned to ask me. Are we in feelings or are we in fixing? I'm like, we're in feelings. So find someone that you can have cries and fries with, somebody that you can confide in and say, look, I'm burning out and... It's not going well, I need to pull myself out of this. My final thought here, and this is a very personal one for me as I'm in burnout, I've tried to take one day off here and there or take an afternoon and take it easy. And by doing that, I'm trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken arm. Burnout is deeper than, I just need to take four hours off. Because in that four hours, I'm still ruminating. I'm still worrying about what I'm missing or my to-do list is growing. 
So what that's done for me is it's made me stop and go, hang on a second, to be a full functioning human, I need more than a Band-Aid for my broken arm. For me, that means that I'm taking five days off. I've put it in my calendar. I've warned the people that, that I work with. And for me, those are going to be five days without Wi-Fi. Nothing makes me feel deeper in despair about my burnout than when I'm looking at social media and seeing all these amazing things people are doing. Long story long, you are not alone. Write it out and find a friend. I really hope this is helpful, Sophia. There are many experts on burnout and getting out of burnout. And if you take away one thing, it's this, don't put a Band-Aid on a broken arm. You need some more time to heal. You need some more time to recover. And so figure out what that time or space might look like. And in my experience, when I've told people that's where I'm at, the response is overwhelmingly positive and supportive. So hopefully that gives you something to to look at and some strategies to help pull yourself out of burnout. I highly recommend Cries and Fries. It's a, it's a regular thing that we do together and it's wonderful. And in our last Fries and Cries or Cries and Fries, whatever one we're calling it today, you said banded for broken arm. And I said to my partner last night that that has like echoed in my head since we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I've thought about it every hour since you said it because I too, I'm in this space. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there with you, Sophia. So yeah, find, find a buddy. And I completely echo you in, in finding something larger than a bandaid. And I haven't found my, I haven't found my thing that's larger than a bandaid yet, but it's excellent advice. And, and I so appreciate you being my cries and fries buddy. AW. And uh, this was an excellent response. I really hope that Sophia has some steps to to get out of this phase because it's shitty and it sucks to feel like that. And I think what sucks the most is if we keep it in yeah, and can't say like, what's the solution here? I think we want, we want the quick fix. We want the five simple steps to pull yourself out and just have a great sleep and you'll be better tomorrow. Burnout is deeper than that. Yeah. And for what it's worth, it doesn't have to be French fries. It can also be no. your thoughts. Yeah. Choose your, choose your own carb. Yeah. Carb of your choice. BYOC. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for your question, Sophia. Thank you for your wonderful answer as always, Amanda. Please keep submitting your questions. You can send them to us on Instagram. You can find the profile at the Amanda Wagner. You can visit theamandawagner.com and send an email via the website as well. If you have more to say or a longer question please send them our way. We love getting your questions and and hearing WWAWD. We want to know what is a project, program, course, or big idea that you have been thinking about launching but haven't done it yet because you think you're not ready. Let us offer you a kind invitation or a swift kick in the behind and encourage you to Step away from buying another course or reading another book or kick the tires on another coach. Instead, let us help you just do the thing. Let's take down the pressure, pilot it, start thinking about it, start writing, and that's where the real magic will come. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. And because we live by Don't Ask, Don't Get, we are asking you to follow along with us on social media at The Amanda Wagner, sign up for the newsletter at theamandawagner.com, and share this episode with a friend. 
If you, unlike the one person who gave us a one-star review, love the podcast, please leave us a kind review. If you hate the podcast, that's cool. You just don't have to tell us. We still read those things, okay? We're still humans. These humans will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And until then, we will see you on the internet.